right. <clears throat> uh, maybe I just will start by saying something that just came to my mind while we were waiting there. Just, um, it might sound a little bit strange, uh, and I think it, it is strange to, um, to, to the flesh or to the natural mind, but I think that the, the things that the thing that we do with our heart and our mind in meetings like this, not not just in this one uh, where there's some teaching or sharing, but even more so probably in the other meetings where we're waiting on the Lord together, but also also in this one, um, what what we all do with our hearts and our minds in these meetings, I think, is really important. I know that. We all probably grew up going to classes or hearing lectures or doing things like that where you could kind of check out <clears throat> and uh, or not pay much attention and, and and it wouldn't definitely wouldn't make any difference to the rest of the people in the class or whether or not they were experiencing anything or hearing the teacher or understanding what the teacher was saying or anything like that. But I, I really believe, I've come to believe this, I, I can think I can say this now after 10 years or so of, of having a lot of meetings where we've, where we've come to meet together and wait upon the Lord and experience his life and his spirit together. Um, I don't know how many, probably, I guess probably thousands of those we've done now here in the last 10 years. And I don't, claim to have a whole lot of discernment and, and, and exactly how all of this works, but I think I can say that I have no doubt that the condition of our hearts when we gather together has a very significant effect on what we experience corporately and sometimes individually as well. So, sometimes it feels like the Lord allows even if the the meeting maybe is dead and distracted and a lot of people the lord allows us to kind of rise up above it and in our, in our individual hearts experience something more of him but i think in general i can say that when we come together and we ha- we allow ourselves to have our minds wander or our hearts be in other things i i really believe it it affects the sense the the feeling of the meeting the freedom that the spirit of god has in the meeting to to move freely to act freely to speak freely in the same way that jesus in that one city it says he could not do many mighty miracles because of their unbelief Uh, and on the other side with the woman who crept up and touched the the hem of his garment and her heart was wide open and her face faith was great his power poured out of him without him even turning around. Those are kind of two opposite extremes to show you that the condition of the heart is what welcomes in and and receives into it the the moving, living, dynamic like power of the Spirit of God. And even though it sounds almost a little bit limiting to God to say that he could not do many mighty miracles in that one city because of their unbelief, I think it's just very simply the fact that God moves and finds freedom to move and act in soft, humble, seeking, tender hearts 
that are at least, at the very least, wrestling against their own wandering thoughts and errant hearts and trying to, to put their, give him, to love him with their, all their heart and mind and soul and strength. And, and I mention that because one of the ways that we can, this is not at all what I was thinking about talking about today, but I, I feel a little bit of life on it, so I'm going to just say this, that one of the ways that we can really serve one another in this body and love one another there's a lot of ways to manifest the Lord's love, but one of the ways that I think is honestly perhaps the most meaningful is to come together with an attitude and with a heart's desire that, as for me and my heart, I will give the Lord all the room that he wants in this meeting to to act, to... Um, to move, to speak, if I'm to be moved to, to speak. But if I'm not to be moved to speak, that that doesn't mean that I'm not uh, able to serve my brethren and giving the Lord freedom and space in my heart to have uh, a place to rest his feet, so to speak. Remember when the, when the, the dove went out from the ark and, and it flew around and the Lord had brought judgment on the world and it was looking for a place to, to land its feet and it flew around for a whole day and then came back having found nothing. I think that dove is, is a picture um, of, of the Spirit of God always looking for a place to rest his feet, which is also incidentally why I believe that the dove was manifested at the baptism of Christ and came down and rested fully and perfectly uh, on on the Son of God when he was baptized there. The Spirit found a perfect resting place, uh, a place where there was no opposition, no resistance, perfect yielding, submission to that, to that, to that life. And th- that's how Jesus always lived. He lived in that, in that place of constant yielding and submitting and walking in the, the Spirit and never, uh, never at, at any moment resisted that work. And so the full, plain uh, power of God was manifested in his life and everything he did and suffered. The Lord, God Almighty triumphed, triumphed in, 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 the, in, the, in his son because there was nothing in him resisting that, that triumphing. And yet in us, when we, in our lives throughout our, our days, during the day when we're not met together, when we're not gathered together, and then also when we do come together, a lot of times there's a closing of the door. That's just how God relates to man. He, he doesn't relate to man as like a powerful tyrant that just uh, takes what he, what he wants by force. He, just like Jesus said in, in Revelation chapter 3, he knocks on the door of our heart. And to those who open and let him in, he comes in. He doesn't come in to just, uh, he doesn't kick down the door and, and, and come in and start flipping over furniture. He, he, he knocks on the door and the heart that opens to him, he comes in and dines with them. And I've just, um, last week I just mentioned a couple of things, didn't say a whole lot, but I just mentioned a couple of things about kind of striving and fighting, fighting against ourselves, desiring to not just uh, let ourselves drift into apathy and drift into numbness or drift into um, yeah carelessness, I guess. 
Um, and and that's that's important, not just for our own sakes. It's important for each other. My growth, and let me put it the other way around, your growth in Christ is important to me. The room that the Lord finds in your heart to live and to grow and to increase and to manifest his own life and to speak his own wisdom and to walk with care in this world and to be an example to me, all of that is important to me. It's it's one of the ways that you can serve me if, you, if you're interested in that. If you're interested in serving the body of Christ, I'd love for you to do that. I'd love for you to be an example to me. I'd love for you to be filled with the life of God so that your words and your actions and your thoughts are reflective of your experience of him. I need that. And, and a lot of times the church wants to serve each other in outward ways, which is totally appropriate and good, but uh, without serving each other in that inward way. And the, and the real, I think the real truth of the matter is that um, what we really need from each other more than anything else is the measure of Christ that is, that is finding room, that is finding uh, a place in the soil of the heart to spring up and grow and produce its own increase. And um, if that's happening in you in a general sense, and if that's happening to you, in you too in these meetings, <clears throat> and not just letting your mind go off into other things, then you know what you're doing is you're serving the rest of the body. You're giving the Lord. You're the, you're the woman that crawls up to Jesus and lets power into her. And, and, and that power getting into you and you and you and you in, in a corporate meeting is a little bit like Robert Barkley has that one statement where he says it's like a bunch of hot coals that get put together. And then the whole... You know the whole barbecue gets uh, gets a whole lot hotter because those each individual hot coal is allowing heat in it, and um, I, I, I just want my desire is that we think about serving one another that way, and I can't I can't really say that strongly enough. It's 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 not just bad for you. Uh, if, if this if, if this speaks to anyone here, I know I'm not speaking to everyone here. I'm, I'm definitely not. And I don't even know if I'm speaking to anyone here. But if it does speak to you, um, then then let it. Because, uh, because I think we need each other in this way. We need each other in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, we help each other. And I think that's great outwardly and all those kinds of things. But being not being serious about our inward condition not being careful um, and 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 coming to just maybe get what we can when we can when we feel like it or maybe someone's going to say something kind of cool, cool or maybe the Lord might just touch me this time but otherwise I'll just kind of think about my afternoon activities or my trip to the store or something that's that's just not, that's not just bad um, f- for you that's that's in in a, in a real way that's bad for all of us so I kind of wanted to stir you all up to love each other um, in that way. If that, if that came out clear, I'm not sure, but it feels, feels important to me. Um, all right, so <clears throat> I was thinking this morning just uh, about what, what I might try to share with you guys this morning and... 
the thing that was kind of coming to my mind had to do with the verse in Matthew 6 where Jesus says to seek first his kingdom. I mentioned this last night in a meeting with the young folks and um, just kind of came back to my heart this morning. Just the the reality of living in such a way that we seek first his kingdom. Remember, we've we've been t- we've been talking these last many weeks about how God reached into Egypt and and opened a door through his through his lamb, through the death of his lamb and to to bring a people out and to put them into a covenant with him. And we've been talking about <clears throat> what it means to to walk in that covenant and and how at first the Lord deposits us in this relationship with his with Christ and in a sense we're in him, but we're in him as being in a lot of ways something very contrary to him. It's kind of like a strange picture. It's like if, if like your three-year-old kid uh, swallows a Lego. It's in him, but it's not united to him. It's not him. It doesn't share his life. It doesn't share his nature. It's there. Take an x-ray, you'll see it. Um, in, in, a, in a weird way, I think we kind of begin our relationship with, with Christ. He brings us into him, and then he begins to show us, and this is kind of what we were talking about a few weeks ago, when the last time I tried to share some of this. He begins to try to show us the things in us that are contrary to his life, and his light, and his nature, and his righteousness, and his truth, and his power, and his love, and his worship, and his cleanness, and his purity, and everything. And the reason, and 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 in all of the, the reason he does that is so that we bear his image. The reason that he does that is so that we actually can unite with him. And um, and it, and in all of those pictures, you, you can't help but notice that starting in Exodus, when they come out of Egypt. Uh, through Deuteronomy, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, all of the talk of God has a everything he's doing in them and with them and through them, all of the purifi- purifying and cleansing and, and teaching and revealing and removing sin and everything he's doing with them is always with an aim, a view to continuing on and experiencing the kingdom of God in the promised land. It's always aimed in that direction. <clears throat> and I think, I think that in a real sense, in all of those pictures, uh, the Lord could have been saying, here's, here's why we're doing all of this. Because I want you all to experience my kingdom and my righteousness. And, th- and then Jesus comes and he says... Um, Here's what here's what the first the first and foremost thing that you need to seek. You need to seek my kingdom and my righteousness. Well, what is what is the kingdom of God? Um, Jesus came and he appeared on the earth. And, and the very first thing he says is the time is at hand. The time has been fulfilled and, and the kingdom of God has drawn near to you. And, and that's what he preached. He, 
he preached as he went through the cities um, of of Israel. He didn't he didn't preach a whole lot of doctrine. He didn't preach uh, methods and modes of bettering <clears throat> our natural man. He didn't ha- have a philosophy he wanted to teach. What he taught and what he continually wanted his disciples when he sent them out, he said, tell them that the kingdom of God is at hand. Now that kingdom is, I hope you can see kind of as you read through the gospels that that kingdom was on the forefront of, of Jesus's mind. It's, it's the thing that he came pronounce, announcing. It's, it's, the, it's the thing that he had. It's the thing he told them to seek first. He told them that there was that there was a goal and that goal, and, and, and that it was a kingdom and that the kingdom had come, come close to them <clears throat> and that it was time for, for them to enter into the kingdom. And so many, in his parables, he, he would almost always begin his parables by saying, how can I compare, how can I tell you, how can I describe to you the kingdom of God? It's like this, or with what can I, what, what language can I speak of the kingdom? It's like this. And, and he would say things like, unless you receive the kingdom as a little child, you can't enter into it. And, <clears throat> and in, our, in our day, there's not a lot of talk, at least, well, there is some talk about the kingdom. But I think a lot of times when people talk about the kingdom of God, they talk about it as a future thing. Even though Jesus said 2,000 years ago, the time has come. The time has been fulfilled. The kingdom of God is now at hand. And he spoke about receiving the kingdom and living in the kingdom and even said that some would not taste death until they had seen the coming of the kingdom, which most certainly did happen and hopefully is still happening today before the death of the body. Um, But when we talk about the kingdom a lot today in the church, a lot of times it's a futuristic thing. It's a, something that will, you know, people even say, Tell, you know, when kingdom come or when kingdom, the kingdom comes, I'm going to, or I don't know, as though the kingdom hasn't even come, as though the kingdom is still in the future or it's for another time, it's for another place. Um, and and it's, it's just the, the thing that I was feeling this morning is that the kingdom is what we are supposed to be experiencing now. It should be the thing we're seeking. It should be the thing we're desiring and longing to longing to have be a reality in our life. What so again, what is the kingdom of God? It's real simple some real simple statements. I think you can say that the kingdom of God is it is a, an environment or a land it is it is that it is that in which god's life god's living power and nature is governing it is where it is an environment you could say an environment when I, and when i say environment i'm using that word just because there's pictures of it in an old testament in the old testament as a land but in the in the reality of it, 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 the way that we experience it is the environment in our own heart. It's the soul of man. It's the inward man. It's it's a place. It's a land. It's an environment. It's a soul. It's it's the place where God's where God's life and nature, which is called righteousness, 
which is why we're supposed to seek the kingdom and his righteousness, because that's the nature of the kingdom. The kingdom has a nature. It, that the nature of the kingdom is perfect rightness. It's perfect righteousness. And, and, and the thing that God has always wanted and that you see throughout the entire Bible in the Old Covenant in a whole bunch of pictures that are very, um, very descriptive uh, of the kingdom and in the new in the New Testament, you read it in in ways that <clears throat> declares very plainly what it is and where it is. Jesus even said, uh, Luke seventeen, "Don't look outward for the kingdom. Don't say low here and low there." And for the kingdom of God does not come with outward observation, because the kingdom of God is within you. He says, "Well, it's an environment. It's a." It's a land. It's an inward land. It's an inward place. It's, it's also an outward place. It's outside of us too, but the only way to experience it, the only way to enter it, Jesus says, is to receive it inwardly in ourselves like a little child. Experience its growth, its increase, its power, its nature, to seek it, to find it, to feel it, working in us first. And then we're, we're where we can walk in all of that which is also outside of us and experience the kingdom in, 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 the, out, in the ways that it's in other people and other things where God's life and nature and power are manifest in a, in, in a kingdom that's not just within us but without us too. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that the kingdom in itself is this, it's this land or this land here, land in us, land or environment or, or, or place or I don't know, I, I struggling with a word it's a it's a it's a in the book of revelation it's a it's a cube it's a giant cube filled with the glory and righteousness of god you know in one picture in another picture it's a glassy sea in another picture it's a I, there's tons of pictures of it and none of the pictures because they're just pictures and because they're just words actually communicate perfectly what it is but but in an, in an S, in, in in a nutshell for for us uh, it's it's this, envi- this living environment where God's nature and power and truth and life and purity is reigning. And everything inside of the kingdom, if you're experiencing in the, ki- the kingdom of God, then you're experiencing a congruency with that life. In other words, it's, it's, not, a, it's, not, it's not a place where there's uh, enmity. It's a place where everything has been conquered and filled with a very specific and particular life and nature. Everything is conformed to the life of the king. There's not uh, disobedient subjects. There's not uh, things in it that that are hostile or of a different nature and kind to the king. Everything expresses his government. Not in a not in a way of, of forced slavery, but in a way of willing voluntary participation and yielding and submission. In, in Psalm 110, I think we talked about this psalm a few weeks ago at some point, but that's where, where, where the, the psalmist David is speaking by the Spirit of God, and he says, here's what the kingdom's like. It's, it's like, it's, it's your people giving themselves voluntarily in the day of your power, in the light of your power. It's a, it's a willing surrender so that the heart of man actually experiences the kingdom of God's life. 
Now that's what it is, and that's where it. I mean, that's <clears throat> what it is in in a few words, and that's where it is. At least that's where we have to experience it. If you don't experience the kingdom of God within you, you'll never never experience the kingdom of God outside of you. Paul says in Romans fourteen, he says. <coughs> The kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking and all these outward things that people are, in, in his day and in ours too, so worried about. He says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's Romans 14. The kingdom of God isn't eating and drinking and doing this and circumcising and not circumcising and all these other things. The kingdom of God is actually a nature which is righteousness, perfect cleanness, perfect alignment with the nature of God. It, it's, it's, a, it's an environment where there's no enmity, there's no contrariety, there, there's nothing warring against the nature of God, and that's why there's peace. See, it's righteousness and peace. Righteousness has to come first, or there's never going to be peace. You can't have peace without righteousness. Because, because peace is the absence of enmity. When he's talking about peace there, he's not defining it as a human feeling. Real peace is the absent, absence of enmity or hostility or contrariety between the soul of man and the life of God. And of course, that can produce a feeling of peace. But so can a bunch of other things that produce false feelings of peace where the enmity is still there. You know, you read in the prophets how the prophet, the false prophets, the main thing they were saying, which is one of the main things the false prophets are saying today too, is peace, peace, when there is no peace. They're crying out that there's peace with God when the heart is still in, 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 a, in an ex existence of enmity or contrariety with God. There's no real union of life. The heart has not passed through the flaming sword. That was, set, that was set to protect the way of the tree of, to the tree of life. And so there's enmity, there's contrariety still, there's no peace. And you can cry peace, peace, but if there's no righteousness first, you see, there can't be peace. You can't be a peacemaker without first being a righteousness liver. Because, uh, because there's a, there, that, that will always be a, a declaration of peace when there's no real unity, no real oneness, you see? And so the kingdom has a scepter and the scepter of his kingdom is righteousness. You've read that verse. The kingdom has a, has a scepter that reigns, you know? And, and, the, and the way that it reigns, the way that it expands and fills the land is, is, is a scepter is by spreading righteousness. And what does that righteousness do? It brings peace. And when the heart is experiencing peace with God, peace in the spirit, well, then there is a genuine experience of joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And not, not in the flesh, not in the world, in the Holy Spirit. Now that's the kingdom of God. That's the thing that Jesus says. You gotta seek that first. Here, here's, what, here's what this time is for. Don't worry about this, he says. This is in the Sermon on the Mount, the, 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 that verse in Matthew 6, 33, I think it is that I quote it. 
It's right there in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount where he's telling you, don't, don't, don't worry about this and don't strive about that. And don't, don't, you know, you, you can't, you can't, don't waste your time with this and go, he's, he's describing kind of what's real and what's important and how the heart is supposed to live. And, and right there in the middle, he says, here's, here's what you need to seek. Seek being governed. Seek surrendering your heart to the life of God because it came near you. See, that's why Jesus said that. Here he was, the king. Come, manifest in the world for one purpose entirely. He came to, to not, not just to teach and not just to die and not just to rise again. All of that was in order to establish a kingdom to, to be glorified in the midst of his people. He came to restore the kingdom of God that had fallen away, that man had fallen away from. He came to establish a kingdom. He did that through his obedient life, his death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension. But it, 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 was, all to, it was all to bring man into the experience of, of God's reign. And that to me is just, that is so important. That's what Jesus preached. And if our, if our gospel isn't aiming at that kingdom, then I, I ask you to ask yourself, or, or better yet, ask the Lord, what is it aiming at? Everything in the wilderness. That's why, that's why I said that thing about the wilderness. It was always going in a direction. It wasn't, he wasn't wanting to keep them in the wilderness, he was wanting them to, while they were passing through the wilderness, be cleansed and purified and prepared to be a kingdom. He, he wanted them to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. We looked at that verse in, in, in Exodus 19. And, yeah, I, I said just a minute ago that I mentioned the flaming sword. And the, the reason I have been talking so much about the, um, the circle, the, the journey, the, the way of what it means to walk with Christ and to abide in Christ and to learn to stay close to his spirit and to learn to, to walk with him in the little things and to not let our hearts turn away from him and to let him deal with us is because the goal that God has in all of that isn't just to condemn sin or to, to, isn't just to show where we have leprosy and to show where we have uh, uncleanness. The purpose of all of that work, guys, is to bring us into the experience of the kingdom of God. And that's why that's why he puts an altar in the middle of his camp. It's, it's, that's why he opens a, a fountain of cleansing for the house of Israel, as it says in one of the prophets. It's, it's because he wants us to enter into and experience that kingdom. There's a verse where Jesus says, I can't quote it perfectly, but he says something like, take heart, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God. That's what God desires. That is his motivation. That's behind every, every reason why he would ever allow you to experience the cross. That's the why 
behind the the daily cross. That's the joy that's set before you so that you can take take up the cross every day and follow him. That's where everything is going. Take heart, little flock. Your father desires, it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And what is that kingdom? It's him living and reigning in righteousness, peace and joy in the spirit of God in us. I guess that's pretty much what I feel to say, at least right now. So 